0: Welcome to Necessary Illusions. I am your host, MC Squared. On this episode of the podcast, I interview Indy of the Indie News Network and Indie Media Awards. He's a writer, producer, and content creator that's fiercely independent, anti-capitalist, anti-corporation, and anti-duopoly. I hope you enjoy the show. Solidarity forever! a producer, editor. He's fiercely independent. He's anti-corporate, anti-duopoly. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Appreciate the invite, MC. Good to be here.
0: So tell me about the uh, Indie News Network uh, for people that might have been living under a rock. Um, what's, What's going on with the Indie News Network? How long has it been around?
1: What's your mission? What are you all about? All right. Well, about a little more than two years ago, about two and a half years ago, uh, I actually produced and directed a long live stream event with several of the of, of the podcasters, live streamers in our space at the time. You know, the Convo Couch and Jimmy Dore was there, and um, oh boy, Hard Lens Media, just to just to name a few. And off of that, I realized that um, there's a lot of smaller content creators that really don't have the all the tools and skills and production value and network to be able to, to, to grow. So I reached out to a bunch of smaller content creators who I had been watching and friendly with and sharing their content. A lot of them were focused on supporting Julian Assange. And we all agreed to kind of form a federated independent network of channels and built our own channel and our own set of channels and, and properties to to launch that and as kind of as a backup so that we can collaborate and all work together as well as maintain our own individual presence and channels.
0: so what uh, what platforms do you use
1: oh boy well we're everywhere we're on youtube rumble rockfin we are on um substack for sure twitter facebook instagram and uh we have a telegram channel uh, you can find all those links at IndieNews.network. dot uh, network. We've got a, a handy link tree, makes it really easy to find all different um, all different channels for the network. Uh, we put individual exclusive shows for the network that are made by some creators. There are some creators that co-stream to their channel as well as to the network, and then they'll put some clips up to the network. Um, it's it's evolved and grown over time. Uh, again, the idea is. To give a hand and a hand to the independent media creators that we're kind of comfortable with, and it's it's become a, a family. Um,
0: where are you, where are you coming to us? Where's your headquarters? Where are you coming to us live from? I'm down here coming, in South
1: Texas. We're in New Jersey, in, okay. in Northern Jersey, outside New York City. But INN has members all over the country, primarily focused in in the Northeast, but we've got members in Michigan, and we've got a very famous member who lives in Moscow, Russia. Wow. Yeah.
0: Is Tara that uh, I'm sorry. Tara Reed? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I thought yeah, you were talking I about actually, Snowden for a second because I think he's in Moscow too, right?
1: Uh, actually he's in Siberia, but um, I, I executive produce Tara's podcast for INN. She has, she joined the network as a, as a founding member. And I was kind of surprised when we had approached her and asked her if she wanted to be part of this and, Surprisingly, she said yes, and then a couple of months later, RT America closed down, and RT had sanctions put on them, and all of a sudden, she was kind of left without a production team and kind of figure out what what's next, and uh, she turned to INN and said, can you help, and for two years now, we've been producing her podcast almost weekly, it's, at times it's weekly, and then she'll take a, a break here and there, but... um the politics of survival has been an INN show, and we're incredibly proud of it. And she's interviewed tons of people on the Ukraine Myirovets kill list, for example, um, talking about what it's like to be on that list. She talked to a lot of dissident journalists. She's talked to a lot of expats from the U.S. who have some kind of a legal trouble who can't come back for some reason. It's been a fascinating show to to produce.
0: What's a what's an expat? Is that like expatriate?
1: Yes, yes, somebody who lives abroad. Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: Okay, gotcha. What do you think? So, I mean, what do you think about the Russian regime there? I think, you know, they tend to be friendly with um, American dissidents just as um you know united states um and especially the power centers here in the united states they are very friendly with uh dissidents in china and russia there's definitely an interplay where you know if you're a dissident in russia uh, typically you might be able to find refuge here in the united states and vice versa if you are a dissident an expat uh, of the united states an enemy of the state like uh, edward snowden you know you might be able to find uh um, you know, salvation uh, in Russia. So it's kind of funny how that works, isn't
1: it? Yeah, there is definitely a community of Americans and of foreigners that live there, English-speaking foreigners, who have, for whatever reason, run in. Yes, mostly because they're they're dissidents. They've been challenging their governments, and they've had their governments come after them for whatever reason that is. Um, in Torrance's case, very famously, it was that she accused Joe Biden of uh, of sexual assault when she had worked with him as a staffer and as a result then she went to time out which then was supposedly working on her behalf you know for for a law firm uh to, to secure a law firm and to kind of help with the case when as it turns out they were feeding the biden administration the information the entire time and uh, the biden campaign at the time it wasn't an administration and uh they were working in cahoots and that the, the woman who ran time out um, she ended up Uh, getting a job in the white house and the other woman who took over just had to resign in disgrace because there was some kind of a big scandal that happened there and timeout basically dissolved as a result.
0: What do you think about, uh, what what do you think about governments generally? I mean, are you, do you have a favorable view of maybe U S enemies? For example, again, Russia, China, I don't know, North Korea, um, I guess communism is a, I guess a state is, a, is an enemy and is a boo word of the United States. Um, or, you know, like how, how do you view just governments generally, uh, socio-political uh, systems? Is that something that you're interested in? I'm very, I kind of got into this, just kind of digging deep into the philosophy. That's my, that's my favorite stuff to read on is political philosophy, um, soci- socio-political systems, economics, that kind of stuff. Uh, and I would hmm. uh, definitely I consider myself an anarchist. I'm not much of a... I'm no friend of Putin, the Russian authoritarian, you know, uh, strongman government that uh, Putin, um, you know, kind of controls there. Uh, China I'm not much of a fan uh, definitely some of their infrastructure projects for sure but uh, no I'm no fan of the Soviet Union I think my favorite time period would be you know the 19 the late 1930s anarchist revolution in Spain that's probably the only government uh, or at least uh, you know the brief <laughs> time it was around that that government was in that decentralized state is kind of the the model that i like so what do you think about just governments generally the socio-political system uh international affairs um you know all that kind of stuff i mean you know allies of the united states versus enemies of the united states what do you think about the states in general these nation states these violent uh entities that carry out violence uh, international terrorism uh, war crimes like like Israel's uh, carrying out right now in gaza generally what do you say how would you kind of describe your political leanings if you will
1: all no. uh, again fiercely independent um to the left of every politician maybe save for Claire Daly in Europe in, in you know the Irish politician yeah she's awesome. who spits I who spits fire daily every day she's every been day. phenomenal um and and Mick Wallace as well he's yeah. he's great he's great as well exactly. um but as far as a political structure I mean I've always labels are bad communism China has a communism slash uh Capitalist, capitalist economy they, they got hundreds right, of state run sure you know, uh, even Russia has a bunch of capitalistic elements to it. they brought in a lot of capitalism. You don't really see the communism that existed prior to the fall of of communism in in the late 90 in the early 90s and the influx of CIA Boris Yeltsin and the destabilization of that entire government the balkanization. Of uh, of watching the Soviet Union break up into different pieces, uh, some of those states have managed to run themselves. So, look, Cuba, for all its problems, manages to have a phenomenal healthcare system and produce some of the some of the world you know the world's best doctors. They had a vaccine for COVID, and supposedly they have one for cancer, possibly, but they're not allowing that anywhere near here. Um, a lot of times, a in my opinion, socialism has never been allowed to flourish because capitalism has always come in and declared war on it and literally bombed it out of existence. Um, and it, again, that's that's just my view of it. Um, I would like to see a world where we're all working together. I know that that is not realistic, that there are greedy people who are all in it for themselves that are willing to per. They're willing to step on millions of others in order to get what they want. And it's gross and disgusting. And I don't really have an answer for all of that. And I'm just a dude who's living in the world and trying to absorb the news and, and kind of see it and teach my kids right from wrong. And, and what's right is to be straight up with people and to not steal their money and steal their labor and to tell the truth about what's actually happening, even if it's uncomfortable.
0: What about uh, speaking truth to power? What are the consequences? Uh, Maybe censorship, limits on free speech. Uh, Perhaps some of the um, content creators on your network have experienced uh, some pushback, censorship. So what are the costs? I mean, the United States is supposed to be a democracy, supposed to be a free country. Uh, It does, you know, the Supreme Court, it does have some pretty strong um, free speech legislation, but certainly... Uh, there are consequences for you know speaking truth to power. Censorship. I mean, we have you know we're on at least I publish uh, most of my stuff on corporation corporate you know kind of platforms. Twitter is where I have the biggest following. Uh, I'm on a couple different ones, but yeah, essentially it's a it's a hierarchy. It's a top down hierarchy. You know, run right. by Musk and the uh, board of directors and the and the shareholders, and they can pretty much make up the rules as they go. If they deem your account uh, as, as violated something, some rule that they made up, they can ban you, and there's no repercussions. There's no way to get your uh, account back. You know, your status. You just got to hope for the best. So, um, you know, what are the, what are the consequences, maybe in the United States uh, and maybe even abroad, uh, for speaking truth to power? Censorships, limits on free speech. Uh, I think we're both kind of going anonymous here tonight so we both have something to lose right
1: we're anons yes and and you know what there's a guy on substack who writes under the anon of yuri bezmanov and he was talking about how to operate as an anon it's an article you know you might want to check out also we've been doing this a while i've been doing this three and a half years now yeah um but what do i think about it first of all private companies the the whole set free speech freedom of speech in the united states is is absolute when it comes to public spaces and when it comes to government and that the government cannot censor your speech. Now, what we're learning with through the Twitter files is that the crossover between government and private corporations is a lot, you know, a lot tighter than it should be. It I like should the be corporate lot... state
0: nexus. I love, that. I love uh, trying to shout out and saying that. I mean, that's, the, sure. that's, the, that's definitely a... a, 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 a I don't know, leading up to fascism, I don't think the United States is a fascist state, but that corporate state nexus, it's pretty tight, isn't
1: it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you've got people from the CIA, from the State Department, from the FBI that work at Twitter, that work at Facebook, that work at Google, that work at all these institutions, and they're still connected and plugged in to their network of people. And on top of that, you've got the NGOs. So they leave government, they go to NGOs, or they were, and and or they they work with their ex FBI buddies at who now work at Twitter and from, you know, Hamilton 68 or any of these other dashboard type of companies, and it's it's become a real mess. That, <clears throat> now initially, I was like, you know, look, private company, it sucks. Their terms of service, they can boot whoever they want. The problem is, should they be a public utility? Are they actually the public square at this point? And in which case? Government then has to step in and have some kind of regulation and rules for what they would have to do in order to be able to suspend and have it be transparent and have them let them know. But do I want government involved in social media? That's a slippery slope, too. Like, I don't know if I really want that, because free speech with government we know isn't really free. They're now criminalizing protest. You know, look, the the protesters for Free Palestine are starting to get arrested in certain places, the people with cop Stop Cop City in Atlanta, in the Weilani Forest, we've covered on on my podcast, How Do We Miss That Extensively, um, and they, they murdered a protester. The cops murdered a protester, and this was all now, which, by the way, has soared. The cost has soared to over $130 million for that facility. It was supposed to be $30 million initially, and they're still fighting to get it. And they'll get it, too, because they've got the money and, and the corporations behind them.
0: Yeah, the uh, the consequences for speaking truth to power, you know, could end up in death for sure. Uh, it's looking at Israel and people speaking out against the rogue criminal government there, uh, the war oh. crimes or the crimes against humanity that that government. Uh, is carrying out um, and Israeli citizens, you know, they're speaking up, they're protesting, much like they are uh, in, in Russia, too, uh, against the war in the in the Ukraine, which I think was provoked but of course, by NATO and United States aggression, but it's a very unpopular war, certainly in Europe, uh, it's, it's losing popularity in the United States, and I think, uh, of, of course, we talked about um, dissidents and uh, people that are... Um, you know, speaking up against the government, I just saw a BBC story saying, oh, mothers are, you know, writing Putin saying bring my husband home or you know, bring my brother home and that sort of thing. So that's the kind of stuff published uh, in the Western media to kind of, you know to, I guess, defame, you know, Putin's war. And I think he's, you know, of course, carrying out war crimes uh, as well. In the Ukraine, I think the Ukraines are being victimized, but they certainly don't have any strong democracy prior to the war. Of course, the United States uh, had a coup d'etat to install a puppet regime there. Prior to the Russian invasion, um, it was voted in Europe as being the most corrupt uh, government on the continent. So, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of, you know, things that the media don't talk about, uh, you know, we're just supposed to, you know, they're simple. It's uh, simple to simplify everything. You know, in the world where there's good guys and bad guys. Anybody that's going against the United States power interests, you know, the United States military, and we're out there benevolently, you know, benevolently trying to carry out some agenda that's good for everyone. You know, and uh, there's bad guys out there like Putin and um, you know North Korea, the dictator there that are opposing us, and uh, they're they're bad. We're good, and you know, we're carrying out. To, um, you know, whatever we're we're a city on a hill. You know, we were founded. We're different than every other you know country in history. We don't do things right. for power and wealth or imperialism. We do things because they're just and right. But obviously, that's completely bullshit.
1: Bullshit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, what are we doing all that for? It's so that we can maintain global dominance and and is be, retain our position for as long as possible as the superpower that runs the world when everybody knows that China is on the horizon, I think this whole attack, this whole proxy war with Ukraine against Russia was only to weaken a China ally, a strong China ally, but it it really hasn't worked in a lot of ways. You know, Russia is flourishing. They're making deals around the world. They, they enacted the BRICS agreement and the, and they're talking about a world current, a BRICS currency. Now they've, well, Nord Stream got blown up and it hurt Europe a lot more than it hurt Russia's economy. Um,
0: what do you think happened with the Nord Stream pipeline? You think that was the United States?
1: I think that it's a that's a great question. Um, I I know that the story that's being sold is not obviously you know, it wasn't six Ukrainian divers in a boat. Uh, I think that Cy Hirsch had some of it right. I also read a guy from the India from some news, newspaper or uh, magazine in India that talked about Norwegian divers that had helped also with that, and it made sense because it was off of Norway. Um, they and then, of course, the the gray zone had the article with where they found a boot somehow right there at the thing, which is really weird. But
0: what do you th- what do you think the agenda was to try to get Europe off of? what, Russian fossil fuels so that the United States States corporations, fossil fuel companies could make a killing, I
1: guess? Yep, they want to sell LNG to Europe at five times the price and hurt Russia's economy by not allowing them to serve Europe with natural gas and oil through Nord Stream 1 and 2. It really wouldn't make Um, any sense for Russia to blow it up, right? uh, Well, no, because all they would have to do is just turn off the spigot. But then they say, well, Putin has has blown up his own pipelines before for XYZ. But not in this case. And oh yeah, by the way, Nord Stream 1 wasn't totally damaged, and he was still selling Ukraine gas the entire time. And nobody wants to talk about that. You know, it amazing. Um that whole and then then you've got this the journalist Gonzalo Lira. Everybody is is lamenting his, his passing. And if he even is really God, I think he is. And that's what all reports say. There were some reports that he had actually turned and I had seen text messages that he had sent to people asking them their location. That was kind of weird and cryptic, but I, I don't know what happened there. Um, you know, any reporter that goes into a war zone, I got to give them a lot of credit and they're taking a huge risk. We've spoken to quite a few of them from Eva Bartlett, who's in, who's in the Don, the Donbass to Vanessa Bealy, who's in Syria. And you've got Wyatt Reed who went to the Donbass and his hotel got shelled like, you know, 15 minutes after he walked out of it or something. Very close call. Um, we've talked with a bunch of these people. That's, That is scary as hell to go to go. What
0: what about the uh, reporters? Um, A lot of journalists, reporters, media personnel, um, you know, being killed by Israel, whether directly or in in the crosshairs. Um, And I've I've heard people make the comparisons in the Ukraine that uh, you know, no no reporter, you know, at least from you know Western media companies and whatnot are going to go to Gaza. No reporter would be going to you know Baghdad at the time or, um, you know, Afghanistan, when the United States was attacking and invading. I I've heard people say that, you know, in, in in the Ukraine, you know, Russia is not, you know, all-out war. You know, it's a little bit safer. Of course, it can be dangerous, but, uh, you know, Russia is not, you know, carrying out genocide there by any means. You know, they're not c- committing maybe uh, as as, a, as you know, massive acts of violence, war crimes, crimes against humanity, that sort of thing. Uh, What do you think about that? I've I've heard some people, it's tough to kind of go and kind of compare um, atrocities and and whatnot. But, um, and of course, war crimes. Yeah, yeah. You you know,
1: know, first of all, I'll I'll let you know and let your audience know, I'm Jewish and I'm anti-Zionist and anti-imperialist. And I'm disgraced by the fact that this is also being done in my religious name. Um. The first of all, you've got the religious aspect. But first, uh, on a first point, I wanted to say that Zelensky uh, also did outlaw dissident journalism and did outlaw independent media, and it's only state TV that's allowed. And he outlawed Russian, and you know, it turned it into an authoritarian state.
0: Uh, yeah. Didn't he also limit uh, union organization striking? Yep. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yep. So you know, it's become a a dictatorship in some
0: There's years. nothing new there. The United States uh, frequently allies with dictatorships, right. and human rights abusers, we, and authoritarian. We install regimes, them. Right? Yeah, exactly.
1: We install puppet dictators. You, bet you. Right. uh But when it but the difference between Ukraine and Gaza is that to begin with, Israel was already charged with Gaza's well-being because of the fact that they built a wall around Gaza and limited all the supplies that came in or out. Gaza did not have full water rights, and if they ever tried to send out fishing boats to try to do fishing, you know, Israel would blow up the boats. I mean, <clears throat> they did not really have a fair shot at any of it. And then Israel goes, well, how how come you can't make it make it work for yourselves? And, you know, it's like, why are you punching? It's like, it's like the big brother using the guy's hand in the face. Why are you punching yourself, first of all? Now, second of all, you know, the fact that, again, they can't they have no right of return. They can't travel, and they can't leave. They're pushing them further and further out and literally leveling the entire city, building It's, their, the, it's our, the
0: world's largest open-air prison. There, there's nowhere for them to go, right? It's,
1: well, and, and then you sent them to the to the south, and then you started bombing the refugee camps in the south with the yeah. intent to push not whoever's not, left saw into on the, border. the saw Sinai. A
0: video uh, in Egypt where there's oh. just massive walls, barbed wire... Uh, militarization. So, I mean, they can't go south to Egypt either, right?
1: Nope. They're literally trapped. And what they're, what Israel is trying to make a a deal with the Congo or some other African nation to take these people in as refugees. Um, It's, it's, it's terrible. Uh, They, they had their land stolen from them further squeezed. And what about the West bank? Nobody talks about the West bank. There were very few people, but they've been, making all kinds of arrests and there's been an increase in settler settler violence against Palestinian people and there's no Hamas there but yet they've increased their presence and their attacks there as well um it's an ethnic cleansing there's there's no way you know there's no two ways about it i was happy that uh south africa brought the trial to the icj you know um I, I actually published something, you know, I had taken about a two week break from Christmas and the day that they had the ICJ trial, I actually published something to my Substack for the first time this year because it got me motivated to be like, okay, I got to get back in the game now, you know, um, enough kind of sitting on the sidelines at this point.
0: And the United States, I think with the UK as well and Israel, they're bombing other regions, um, it, it, what I read, uh, Yemen, Libya, uh, other countries are being attacked. Uh,
1: Lebanon. Lebanon? Okay. Le- Lebanon has been attacked. They, yep, they, they've attacked Beirut um, as well. Uh, they they attacked the south of Lebanon, you know, in the Golan Heights. They assassinated one of the Hezbollah, uh, or the uh, Hamas leaders who was in, I think he was actually in southern Lebanon and not in in Gaza at the time um but the journalists that are being murdered it's it's heartbreaking it's disgraceful israel has been first of all because, here's the other thing they know every e, every sim chip they know where every signal is inside Gaza they know exactly how many people were in each building they have this stuff mapped down to the person down to the to the house down to the building so for them and, and what they were doing was they were using the signals of the journalists to target not only them but then they would murder their entire families 30, 40, 50 people in an attack just to make sure that the truth tellers, the people that were actually filming what was happening and telling the rest of the world through social media, that th- they were the ones that were being targeted and murdered first. Uh, but not just them, it was any dissonance. Look, Professor Rafat Alir, God, uh, may, you know, may he rest in peace. It it's literally them exterminating a generation of of Palestinians who would then speak out against the occupation. Um, it's 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 the worst war crime you can imagine. Again, I'm glad that it was brought in front of the ICJ. I thought Israel's defense, quote unquote, was weak as could be, and uh, it, it it just it saddens me that that Israel, which I was again as a as a Jewish American was always sold as good, a place that that it's the only democracy in the Middle East, quote unquote, sure, uh uh-huh, unless you're a Palestinian person that lives in Gaza and won't acknowledge that Israel is a legitimate state. Um, and and what it is is they never tell us the other side of the story, growing up, and they do a phenomenal job with the propaganda of hiding the Palestinian story. And I, I, mean, I just I grew up here with the
0: United States education system. I mean, they did an same. excellent job of not bringing up. Uh, the, the indigenous genocide, uh, of the native Americans, the Indians here, how we got here. I mean, they kind of tiptoe around it. They celebrate Thanksgiving. Uh, we do the same things here. You know, it's, it's no surprise that the United States and Israel are, um, allied. I mean, it's maybe two of the most famous settler colonial societies in existence.
1: And. And UK, don't don't forget about our buddies the UK, our partners <laughs> in crime there, who are that's currently holding seat. the world's greatest journalist and publisher in their highest security maximum prison, a stroke victim who is so weak he can barely walk. According to everyone that's seen him recently, uh, he's emaciated. He's been mentally destroyed, and that was because he revealed the war crimes of the United States primarily. Um. yeah he revealed the
0: truth, and the truth is no um, defense for his quote unquote crimes i mean even if he 's right uh, unfortunately that 's not going to be defense uh, he uh, you know revealed um, something that uh, the the rich and the powerful didn 't want out there and that 's why he 's an enemy of uh, not just the United States but the whole kind of western capitalist system and I want to get to capitalism and uh, I guess you know it's called capitalism, but uh, capitalism has actually never existed. It couldn't exist. The rich and powerful don't want to be subjected to market pressures. There's nothing uh, in capitalism about bailouts, um, corporate subsidies, welfare programs. Uh, as you know, as uh, MLK said, you know what you have is um, socialism for the rich and rugged free market capitalism for everybody else, including the yep. poor. So that's 100%. Kind of the system we're in. Um, there's generous protections from the nanny state for the rich and powerful and everybody else. You know, it's tough love. Uh, you know, it's kind of you get love for the rich and powerful and everybody else tough. That's kind of how it goes. And at least this, uh, you know, system that we're all living in and you know, trying to, uh, you know, just kind of get by. I mean, we're stuck in the machine. There's not much we can do about it.
1: And it's all the preparation and funding around war in this country and that, that our economy is built on that is part of the problem. It's it's not built around, you know, helping people too much. You know, it's not around health care and taking care of our elderly. Now, even the healthcare care industry, the pharma industry is incredibly corrupt. I mean, there's just corruption at every level in every industry, and it's 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 heartbreaking on a daily basis to see it all happening. This is not the country we grew up in. You know, I see we're, we're about the same age. You might be a little younger than me, but I, I sense a, you know, it, it, we lost something somewhere along the way. Maybe it was during the Reagan administration or the Bush administration or a little bit each time.
0: So what do you think about the trajectory of the United States? At one point, there was uh, an American dream. I think George Carlin talks about the American dream. You'd have to be sleeping to believe it. But at one point in time, there was an American dream where a middle-class family, um, you know, you could raise a family, kids um, on a single income maybe even, take a vacation, own a house, put your kids through college. But uh, all that's gone now. Um, The, you know, welfare state Safety nets in society have been eroded. Two trillion dollar student loan debt. Infrastructure is crumbling. Uh, unemployment, cost of living crisis. Uh, you know, but there has some has been some good things too. I mean, of course, we have the civil rights movement. We have a black president, or had one. I'm not much of a fan of his politics, but I mean, that was um, definitely a big step in a country with um, you know history of slavery and that sort of thing. So, um, but you know, we don't have segregation in schools anymore. Uh, at one point in time we had Roe v. Wade you know pro-choice and that sort of thing obviously that's been eroded but we've had some some good things uh, obviously some bad things and you know a constant war in the United States is a nascent empire essentially been at war since 1776 um, you know the, the genocide of the Indians um, you know we had a civil war on slavery and history of hundreds of years of slavery, but uh, I'll go back to you. What do you think about the trajectory of the United States? Are we on a good trajectory? Are we on a bad trajectory? Are things getting better? Are things getting worse? Where do you see well, us?
1: We're we're definitely losing... Well, look, we knew that this century was not going to belong to us by the end of the century. The question was was how was that going to transition, and how were we going to play a role in the global game moving forward? And... I'm worried for how the people that have been put in charge and, and we don't elect, we have selected representatives who really represent the wealthy and powerful interests that they that, that fund their campaigns. Um, the decisions that they've made and the spending, the, the way that they spent our, our money and chosen to apportion the resources that we have is scary as hell. Again, you you mentioned the infrastructure in China. Our infrastructure is in shambles. Our education system, intentionally by our prior president, was dismantled. The education department was put in, was led by somebody who was an advocate for private funded education and not even a believer in public edu- the public education system. I mean, um, I think that. And it wasn't just Trump, the Obama administration, and I think in a lot of ways the the biden administration it was put a pretty put put a face that you want to see on the imperialism, but continue the actions the entire time yeah, better rhetoric that's really the only difference between the Republicans and the Democrats It's a little bit
0: better mannered less um you know, less evasive or you know, aversive or whatever. It, it sounds a little bit better. You know, we're not we're not uh, as racist, uh, but you know, it's the same policies for the most part, isn't it?
1: Well, yeah, no. It's been a unified party because both sides are funded by a lot of the same donors, and even if they're not, those the donor class has a lot of the same interests, which is to keep the masses fighting with each other and arguing stupid stuff. So that look, it's red versus blue while well, they run away with the green. I've been saying that that's for good. years and years and years, you know, and, and that's what, what's been happening. And, and it's not the green party, certainly, although the Republicans are happy to fund the green party while the Democrats are against the green party because the green party exposed that the Democrats don't do any of the things that people believe the Democrats actually do, which is fight for working people and fight for the environment that isn't a corporate giveaway. they, they, they don't fight for anything that isn't a corporate giveaway at this point. Um, they, our Secretary of State, came from West Exec Advisors, who was representing big tech and selling that, selling stuff to the military and, represent, and trying to broker deals between big tech and the military. It's all really badly connected, and only the worst of the worst seem to rise and, and, and elevate because good people don't want to be a part of that type of system. They've made it so distasteful to want to be, to participate in that you only attract the people that, that you don't want running the system, unfortunately, because they see opportunity and nobody else is doing it. So they're going to step in and do it the way they want to do it, which doesn't benefit the the masses.
0: It is um, funny how politics works. So i read that, uh, Israel essentially uh, installed Hamas. They needed, you know, some sort of resistance, you know, so it wasn't like, you know, they were carrying out genocide against some defenseless group of people. And isn't it funny, too, how um, the Republicans fund the Greens and the Democrats fund the far-right Republicans? Uh, And um, typically I'm reading and doing some uh, documentaries and stuff about the CIA and their... Regime change techniques uh, in the global uh, South, especially South America. And what they try to do is create a um, a country that's uh, destabilized it. And what they try to do is, like, uh, fund protest movements and then – Provoke violence between police and those protest movements and, you know, create a uh, unstable kind of environment that at uh, times is very violent. And then they can kind of carry out their, um, you know, coup d'etat, installing a puppet regime, assassinations, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I've been I've got a couple books coming that I'm, look, I'm looking forward to digging into and actually found a pretty good documentary on, uh, I guess, the Banana Wars, the Banana Public. Um uh-huh. Banana Republic and, I guess, the the Dole, or no, I'm sorry, the United Fruit Company that eventually uh, became Chiquita, uh, all this kind of stuff, how it's, um, you know, you're seeing the same kind of techniques, which, what they did in the Ukraine, and, you know, the same kind of techniques, too, um, first, you know, installing Hamas and then, you know, violently taking out Hamas, because in Israel, of course, Israel was uh, trained a lot of times and, and, and aided by the United States and vice versa, the security forces. Uh, and talking too about surveillance technology, the corporate state nexus. It doesn't take too long for surveillance technology to become violent. So at first, you have surveillance technology to spy, uh, you know, obtain data, vi- video recordings, whatever, uh, basically uh, intelligence. And then uh, yep. over time, those forms of technology and Israel is a highly militarized, highly technical. Tech, uh, technical economy, um, you know, and, and these these surveillance technologies, just like the Obama drone wars, they can carry out assassinations. So that's exactly kind of what they're doing in Gaza. You said that these people are highly monitored, surveillance, but also you know being being uh, exterminated uh, systematically. And um, you know, mm-hmm. there's no navy in 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 Gaza. There's no you know, there's no standing army. These are basically just unarmed citizens. You know, and any time that the um, you know, people die. They they call them what human shields, or you know, there there's tunnels underneath this hospital. Like, okay, so that, that makes uh, that makes all all, all just to uh, you know bomb this hospital, kill babies in incubators, nurses, doctors, family members. It's just uh, it's just incredible what's going on there. What do you think about um, the the gods of crisis? I guess we'll kind of segue back to it. Um, I, I kind of feel like you know I'm I'm very surprised. The, you know, it, we're doing a great job, I think, you know, indie media, I, think I include myself not necessarily in your project, but just, I'm an indie new me- media kind of, you know, source to try to retweet stuff or get news articles out there uh, with this podcast, um, try to present uh, a different take, you know, an unbiased, or at least, you know, I'm not biased towards uh, U.S. power interests, corporate, corporate power interests, or um, the state interests, uh, so a different kind of take here, different kind of slant to at least the way that I see the world. Um, but I'm just sitting back and watching this just incredible amount of violence, this genocide, uh, being carried out and the world's just standing by and it's like, you know, can't we do more? Can't we stop this? Should we be doing more? Can we be doing more? Of course, the United States is a very violent place. You don't cross the United States. We have the, you know, most powerful, most violent military the world has ever created. Um, but you know, what, what, what do you see, you know, like, I guess a part of me is just like I can't believe this is still happening. Can we do more? What can we do? I guess I guess a force is is um, it, it forces the game we're going to play. The United States and Israel—they're going to win. This is you know, two of the most powerful armies in the world. I guess so. I guess um, you know. I guess all we can hope for is the International Criminal Court of Justice. Uh, something happens there, but unfortunately, you know, they typically side with U.S. power
1: interests as well. Well, not only that, the U.S. could block at the ICJ, but um we're funding this um we are we could stop this at any moment by saying that we're pulling funding for israel if they continue it um israel did not necessarily create hamas but they funded hamas and um uh, Bibi said in 2019 that it was a a great investment because it gave them a common enemy to to fight against hamas was created also to weaken the Palestinian Authority and and Yasser Arafat's influence, and to try to undermine him. Um, you've also got Fatah, that's the, that's mostly in the West Bank. So, and and again, they haven't been allowed to hold elections since twenty since two thousand six, um, and yet they turn around and say they elected Hamas. Half the population of Gaza before they started murdering them was under eighteen. So. How could they possibly have elected Hamas when they weren't even alive the last time there were elections? I mean, or they, were, they were babies. Um, it's, the narratives that have been pushed by Israel are disgraceful and easily debunked. But the problem is, is that most people, they go for the sensational and they want to believe whatever is told to them and spoon-fed, and they don't do the work to seek out Hey, is this this doesn't sound right? Did, did that really happen? And the people who do look for alternate media, they go to YouTube, they go to TikTok. Look, Israel's been trying to shut down TikTok because it's done so much damage to their narrative. Independent media has been the only place in the West that you can get any counter-narrative whatsoever. A lot of it is being provided also by Russia, China, um, Iran.
0: Syria? I saw uh, Al Jazeera. The, I think they're are they a Saudi company, or at least they're... They, well,
1: they're, they're Qatari. Qatari. They're, they're, Qatari they're from yeah. Qatar. I think Israel but,
0: shut down the headquarters there in Israel. They so said that they can no longer report.
1: Correct. We covered that on, on how do we miss that. And Again, censorship, and one of the things that, that personally affected me the most was watching Israel destroy the, the loan communications and building where most of the outlets that were reporting from Gaza were this was in in May of 2021 uh the last time they they had a massive siege and and uh, ethnic cleansing in Gaza
0: so an article reported uh retweeted today I think it was dated uh postmarked um uh, October 6th and it was saying this is going to be the deadliest year in Gaza history so that was <laughs> yep. well, prior to uh you know the uh the violence you know, that uh is- out.
1: Israel had been escalating in 2023 after Bibi Netanyahu had come back to power he put some hard right uh Likud party uh, members uh this this ben Javier, who was the defense minister and Bezal Smotrich also the these two uh, in addition to to Bibi and a couple of others had effectively been setting the policy and they were hard right anti-muslim single state but you know jewish from the river to, you know from, from the river to the sea for for the jews and they want to and they've made no secret about the fact that they amalek they want to exterminate the palestinians they want to exterminate all of their their cattle they want to, they want to destroy the land they they're literally digging up the graves of the the people they murdered already i mean it's so disrespectful and disgraceful to human beings and it's it's a human rights violation in every way shape and form and it's not nearly called out enough by most of the international community because they're afraid of the united states they don't want to be destabilized they don't want to have their country destabilized they don't want to have their um you know deals with the u.s that they have that help their country in some ways look it's not all 100 percent bad like you said there are good there is some good in the United States, and mostly it's the people here. It's the people that run the stuff that tend to be the corrupt. And those are the ones that get elevated because they serve the powerful that want the people that will keep the masses down, fighting, and starving and struggling. But we're seeing an increase in homelessness. We're seeing an increase in mental issues. We're seeing an an increase in Died suddenly hmm, in the last few years. I don't know where that came from. I don't want to. I, I don't. You got my own views. Yeah. about About that whole situation. Um. I, you know, look, I, I've done a lot in independent media with regard to researching the World Economic Forum and their intent, and the Bilderberg Group, and the Council for Foreign Relations, which is what really it all comes back to, and these. Seek semi-secret groups of the most powerful that, in some cases, reveal their agendas and come out, come right out and say it in their simulations, quote unquote, which huh, end up happening eighteen months to two years later, almost exactly as they simulated it. Go figure. The World um,
0: Economic Forum—that's Davos, right? Is that what happens? That, at Davos that is
1: Davos, and and yeah. Klaus Schwab, and you know the young global leaders who they basically get. They promote – they bring all these handpicked, They're hand-picked. Yes, they're hand-picked representatives. Right, right. And And then they're groomed along through their career, from Tulsi Gabbard to Vivek Ramaswamy to Barack Obama. I mean, all these guys went through this program. Justin Trudeau. And and all of them have attended the world – they all participate in the World Economic
0: Forum. That's what uh, Henry Kissinger, he had um, articulated – uh, experts Experts are chosen by the ruling class and they are uh, typically chosen because they're best able to articulate the consensus of the ruling class. So that's typically yep. how experts are picked. And that's typically yep. what you see on CNN. They might have a degree from Harvard or Yale or, you know, they might have some fancy committee, um, you know, prestigious committee that they served under or on. They might wear a suit and tie or a really nice dress. They might speak really eloquent, uh, and uh, but what 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 why they're chosen is because they're very uh very good at articulating well mannered, uh, well spoken, uh, the consensus of the ruling class, and our and uh, you know, that's typically um what, what we see from world leaders. I think Obama, he might have been one of the best. You know, Trump is a little bit rough around the edges, he, he is people don't like you know the things that he says and and does, but what they do like is his policies, and he certainly did. A really good job at making the rich and powerful even richer during his mm-hmm. four years in office. And I think we're heading to another four year term. Uh, I think Trump's going to be in power here after uh, the 2020, 2024 election. I think uh, people in the United States just want to change. I think they'd vote for pretty much anybody if you ran them against Joe Biden. But Chomsky uh, so. says, um, you know, the quadrennial extravaganza it should take you all of five minutes to choose and decide who you're going to vote for. Uh, And then you go back to, you know, the next important thing, your next activism or, you know, whatever, whatever around your local community. But it's just it's just a side show. You know, it's a it's kind of a dog and pony show. It's kind of a circus. And as Emma Goldman said, if uh, uh, if voting could change anything, they would have already made it illegal. So (laughs) there's not much changing in an election, you know, you're basically voting for. The, the blue hat or the red hat, but, uh, you know, maybe the face is a little bit different. But the policies are going to be pretty similar. I mean, it's pretty much a one-party state, the business party, and the United States with two factions.
1: Yeah, that's that's, that's Nader, and that's, you know, I, I was a big fan of Ralph Nader. Um, I, unfortunately, he also turned around and, and endorsed. But it's really sad. You know, the older your heroes get, you turn, you, you kind of see them all bend the knee from Nader to Chomsky They all got fear mongered by the corporate media, and the funny thing is, is Chomsky wrote the book on manufacturing consent, and then he got fear mongered. Now,
0: I I think he really does think, though, that Trump is a is an enemy to you know the human race. uh, I guess his his environmental policies. Um, You know, I think that he really does think that Biden is much better, a much better alternative than Trump. I'm I'm speaking for him, obviously. That's what I think.
1: Um, I think I think think Biden is too Trump. It's, it's you know.
0: not. I don't think it's possible for a third party to win the United States uh, presidency. I mean, we're so far away from that. We're several election cycles away from that. So I think what uh, Chomsky likes to say typically is, if you're in a swing state, you should probably vote for who you think is you know less bad. You know, you know, you're going to vote against Trump. You know, you're not voting for Biden necessarily. You're voting against Trump. That's what you do in a swing state. If you're in a red state or a blue state, don't vote. Vote for whoever you want. For vote. Uh, vote third party, it really doesn't matter. But if you're in a swing state with the electoral college and all this nonsense that we have in place in this electrical, uh, electoral system, you should probably vote against the person you think that's worse. So if that means well, voting for Biden...
1: Lesser, except lesser of two, ev- two evils is only going to get you evil. And again, like I keep saying, Biden is blue Trump. I mean, would Trump have stopped Gaza? No. Would Trump, would Trump have stopped any of this stuff? Probably not, but As would what he saying, have I
0: don't, Trump, I don't think. I don't think Biden. I don't think Trump. Well, he, is better necessarily he, than Biden. Uh, he, he, he's tried to stop Ukraine. He man, tried to stop with no. environmental policies. One thing I'll definitely have to, you know, I have to have to argue against Chomsky is, I mean, Biden is allowed for more drilling permits than Trump. So Biden has done Correct. absolutely nothing to serve the environment. I guess that was Chomsky's biggest arguing point. Is you know, Trump is bad for the environment he wants to keep you know drilling oil and gas this gas that you know fossil fuels have kind of paved his way for the presidency but uh what's biden doing exactly to combat climate change anything that you can think of
1: oversaw the destruction of the Nord Stream pipeline building more line three line five um they they were building you know um solar they were putting more into solar they are all trying to electrify the fleet but the problem is they haven't Done anything to upgrade the grid. And you Number know what? One- cars, for God's
0: sakes. I'm sick of this electric car stuff. Like, first oh, off, if yeah. we're going to be using fossil fuel power plants to uh, charge these cars, that's going to do absolutely nothing. Um, you know, what I want is high speed rail, public transportation. People think that, you know, putting the, you know, production of more cars more traffic jams more gridlock we don't need more cars we need high speed rail we need a rail system that like europe and japan have we need what industrialized countries uh, are getting and have had for decades the united states needs to catch up with the rest of the uh, you know industrialized world we need high speed rail to connect these major cities coast to coast we need to get off of the reliance in the suburban You know, this kind of uh, social engineering project and then also our reliance on um, the airplanes and, you know, private jets and the amount of, you know, fossil fuels that are used in that. I mean, our infrastructure is decades and decades behind Europe and what they have in Japan right now.
1: Well, the problem is the military also is the largest polluter in the world. And then the 100 largest corporations between the military and the 100 largest corporations, that makes up 80 percent of the pollution that's happening and we're doing nothing about really combating any of that, other than, you know, a kind of window dressing. Um, it's 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 what the entire Biden administration does. They'll put a face on it; it'll look good, and then right behind the surface, there's just nothing there. There's nothing there. The, if you criticize it now, you're criticizing the identity of the person that they put in charge. What are you, MAGA? What are you, a Trump voter? That's that, <laughs> you know, that's he, their game. That's yeah. their game is yeah. is well. Now you're attacking gay people because because you're attacking Pete Buttigieg. Well, forget the fact that he's been a disaster as a transportation secretary. You can't criticize him because because more then you're attacking gay people.
0: He, he wants to, uh, yeah, he wants to raise taxes, more legal, neoliberalism. Uh, electric cars, you know, tax credits, all this nonsense. Pete, what we want is high-speed rail, damn it, you know? And, and McKinsey, Pete, man. For
1: Look, all this guy ever was was a parasitic consultant. He was a butchered mess as a mayor. He's never had any kind of national presence or any kind of – again, he's a creation of the wealthy donor class because he will speak – he looks good, he speaks clearly and slowly, and and he can – He's relatable to somebody. I don't know who. I don't know who's <laughs> a Pete Buttigieg fan. I, yeah. Honestly, you know, because I would say about 80% of the country can't stand it, but it doesn't seem that that matters anymore. And that's, look, one of the things that got me off the couch and into independent media was looking at the election integrity in this country and the fact that we have none, that our chain of custody is very often broken, that the machines are often rigged and. In, in ways, not necessarily that the counts are are manipulated, but in how the where the candidates are positioned on the ballot even and how that it's presented. The
0: gerrymandering, um, too. I mean, the electoral electoral, electoral system is ridiculous. The I'm not even talking about the district. Sure. Oh, okay. I'm
1: talking about the actual voting process. Like when you get to the voting booth that day, forget about the district and who you're voting for and everything else. I'm talking about the specific chain of events from voting for the time that you walk into the booth and cast your vote to the time that it's counted who's responsible for looking after all of that stuff how are they able to verify and validate any of that stuff it's all single unit tested here and there done at a one percent sample maybe then you've got the the networks with the exit polling. And that's a whole other rigged mess because they own the exit polling companies and will frequently manipulate the exit poll results to align with how they want the election to go. And, oh, yeah, those exit polls are announced the second that, that the race is over. And it is incred- like, it changes and it controls and sets the entire narrative and decides who's going to win the elections in a lot of ways. That's what I mean by our entire process in a lot of ways in my opinion and this is an opinion it's a sham um we need transparency handmark Hand counted paper ballots.
0: <laughs> here's, here's, I, I don't. I mean, I don't know about. I don't agree with the paper ballot stuff. I think we can vote on computers. I mean, if we if we can bank on computers, if the entire information system is on computers, I think we can do it that way. I mean, I'm not this conservative to say we need write-in ballots, but I will say that you know the, no, they're the, hacked. That the, yeah, uh,
1: the they're China. all hackable with a, with a, with a USB key or with with you know some kind of virus software. There are guys in Russia and guys in China. And incredible incredibly smart programmers they can't hack a pencil and a piece of paper
0: yeah but you know if you have let's say an agent of whomever and he just says oh he or she you know oh you know this is another vote for trump this is another vote for trump doesn't matter what's on there you know what i mean i mean i think no, no the, there
1: has it, to be representatives from both look, it can UK, all be corrupted i both mo- mo- technology good a, a lot of countries use hand marked hand counted ballots where the represent, where there's representation for both candidates in the room as the count is happening and they can both challenge and contest all that stuff okay and i think honestly they, look it happens in brazil they do it all by hand and the the convo couch has gone all over the world and covered elections and covered you know the, the integrity of whether the chain of custody is maintained from beginning when the both ballots are cast to when they're counted and the candidate victory is announced a lot of times that that information ends up invisible to a to a lot of people that it shouldn't be Uh, i remember one story about a whole trunk full of uh, of votes that were cast in one of the in the 2020 primary that somebody in florida found in a trunk somewhere and there are there are small examples here and there but I think it's happening on a more mass scale. Look, and then you've got the people that work at the voting places, mostly senior citizens. And these are all electronic machines. They have no idea what they're doing. The lines are tremendously long. How many machines they put in different districts so that they make sure that the lines are three, four, and five hours long so that poor people can't it should vote. should be a national
0: holiday. We should all have it off if they really wanted us to vote, which they don't. We'd have, it'd be yep. a national holiday or it'd be on a Saturday.
1: And it should be on a Sunday. Right. It should be on a su- Saturday or a Sunday. You know, in the end, you, know, you got all day to vote. Everybody gets the day off. Everything is closed. And you go and you cast your vote and they count it by the end of that night. There's no reason we can't have a vote count and a result by the end of that night.
0: I agree right? with that. I don't know if I agree with the whole paper ballot thing. I mean, I think with all of this technology, all of it, you know, pretty much the Internet, you know, developed. Yeah, but who runs the, the
1: technology? Idiots. You're talking about the Israelis. The Israelis are the kings of the technology. You want the Israelis to be able to hack and manipulate our elections? Well, they already do in a way by funding the candidates that they want to win. But literally, they can get it. Look at what happened in 2004. It's pretty much it, it, it's some common knowledge within some kind of community that in Ohio in 2004, there was a blackout on election night, and uh, Kerry was leading in Ohio, and they then switched the servers to smart tech, which was not authorized. And uh, there was some kind of weird thing. And all of a sudden the, the machines came back on and Bush is winning and Bush takes Ohio and it swings the election.
0: I saw a documentary. Yeah, the uh, that was uh, I just kind of started following politics. I was pretty young. I couldn't vote at the time. But uh, yeah, the Bush Gore election, that was fascinating. I saw a really good documentary. Yeah, on that's it. even it worse. shady stuff went down. Yeah, Gore. Seems like Gore did win that election, but uh, you know the Republicans, as they do. I mean, they stack the courts. So you know, if it, yep. it's going to be a court battle, the Republicans are probably going to win it. I mean, look at the Supreme Court right now.
1: That's that. That was McConnell's game. Um, and, he was and, really good at it.
0: There's actually a PBS documentary, Frontline, about uh, McConnell's career in uh, Washington. That's going to be his legacy. And unfortunately, that legacy, uh, we're going to experience that legacy for the next couple of generations because uh, he packed the courts, including the Supreme Court. So we got a right wing reactionary Supreme Court for, I don't know, at least the next 15, 20 years,
1: probably. Well, It was Obama's short sightedness that he thought he could work with Mitch McConnell for a long time before realizing, now Mitch McConnell decided on the day that, that Obama was elected that he was never going to give him one legislative victory. And I thought it was the most unfair and un-American thing that any rep- any senator, representative, or anything had ever done. They were literally voting against policies that they had presented themselves. And then when Obama said yes, they turned around and said, no, 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 we're not going to do that. And then they bailed on that even.
0: That's what Chomsky says, of oh, the Republican Party. It's not a parliamentary party. It's kind of like, the you know, some... Some party of no anti, you know, they just, they just want to block. They want to make the cover. They, they don't want to
1: govern. Until, until, and you until know what? The Democrats the, Yeah, until the Democrats figured it out. The Democrats yeah. figured out that as a success model. And now that's why I think in some ways they would rather have Trump be president. They can fundraise and lob shit from the sidelines for the next four years without having to really do a damn thing other than complain.
0: And this nonsense with this government shutdown every six months, I mean, the rest of the mm-hmm. world is laughing at us. Our our, our government is so uh, – it's just Stop so much shambles. It's, it's such it's, – it's running like, you know, it's like a bad clunker. I mean, it's just – We need someone to put it out of its misery. I mean, we've got so many problems here. I think, uh, you know, public institutions are at or near all-time lows. The Supreme Court, Congress, Joe Biden is historically low. I mean, just government is not working in this country. It doesn't function. We don't live in a functioning democracy, certainly an oligarchy, as the study by Princeton University said in 2014. But, uh, yeah, the Democrats aren't much better, but that's kind of what Chomsky says. I mean, maybe you're voting for some environmental policy. Maybe you're voting for some judges. Uh, But, yeah, I, I can't make a strong case to vote for the it's certainly not vote blue no matter what or vote blue no matter who or whatever i'm I mean, none
1: of the above i'm voting none of the above bad. right now i
0: going do I'm not i'll do, in do red ba- state i'm just not going to vote i mean i see no point to it i'm not going to vote I'll if do, i was in a swing state I, i'd probably vote against trump that's probably what i would do though
1: i'll do ballot measures um you know what i would honestly right now i would vote against joe biden if i had the choice and i'm not I, I, i'm a none of the abover i would e- i would either choose Claudia De La Cruz from the PSL party. She's pretty decent. You know, Cornell West is running for president, even though he's not making a real serious run. Jill Stein is running as a Green Party candidate. They're going to have a primary. None of them are going to win, though. That's
0: the thing.
1: None of no them are going. To, go. No, but but you know what? I, I don't. I don't care. And you know what? I, I'm a dis, I, I disagree with you when it comes to a swing state. That's when they have to listen to you. You have to put somebody up good. I'm not voting for the lesser of two evils. Give me something to vote for, or you're not getting my vote. The
0: Republicans will be more than happy to take that victory for sure. Though, well,
1: you know what I mean? Well. Uh, if if they think that there's that many people that will settle for them over Democrats, right now they would. Uh, at times, they've gotten boat raced. In the last two or three election cycles, they got boat raced. They they couldn't even take back the Senate. Um, and, and you know what? It's designed to keep suck. it. Democrats suck.
0: There's no question about it. Both sides suck. But it. oh, yeah. <laughs> it's designed to keep it at
1: 50-50. It's designed to keep it. So that you can't get the two-thirds majority gridlock. in the Senate that they would actually gridlock. vote for a constitutional amendment or any right. They want a certain level of gridlock, and then you've got the Joe Manchin, Kirsten, Kirsten Cinema rotating villain thrown right. into the mix. That is effectively, uh, you know, caucusing often with the Republicans. Great point so right there with
0: the They, they
1: can't even, and and they can't even get. And they they could get their own House in order. They could get these people in line if they wanted to by pulling committee memberships by pulling funding, by pulling all kinds of stuff, and then even campaigning against them, which is what Bernie or one of them said, oh, I'm going to go into this district and I'm going to campaign against it. Yeah, we'll see, we see how so well I that worked empty
0: now. Promises. Remember when Nancy Pelosi, they were talking to her about the... Uh... The uh, Green New Deal, and she said something like, "Oh, you know, the
1: green, the green dream, whatever, the, yeah, green the green dream, blood, dream the green
0: or whatever." Dream. Oh uh-huh. my God, I can't stand that woman. But you know, the, yeah. these, uh, you know, these Democrats—they they don't even stand for the policies they're supposed to. You know, I mean, Nancy the, policy is not for, uh, you know, abolishing insider trading or crony capitalism or environmental. Or health
1: care for, healthcare for yeah, all? Any of it? She's right. not.
0: What's she for exactly? What makes what's
1: her? She for? She's she, for continuing she to, to grow the, the policy empire.
0: I mean, she yeah. she has a blue hat and, and instead of a red hat. But other than that, I mean, what's her policies? I, I'm, I'm, that's why I wonder. Like, why don't the Republicans and their voters? Why don't they love people like? Well, uh,
1: well no, uh, what they love Biden because she's also all about the trans movement. She's all about big pharma. Okay, she's all about. Yeah, she they like her her position on the defense on defense contracting and her per position on insider trading and they like some of her policies, but she's also been in the in in the house for thirty five years. You know she's been. Hey, hey, hey the we, we could go forever. Uh, we got less yeah, yeah.
0: a minute. Let's let's uh, catch up another month or two. I'd love to do it again. You got uh, about a minute and a half. Go ahead and promote whatever you want. You got a minute and a half, and let's catch up again here soon. Go ahead.
1: A- absolutely. Yeah. Again, I appreciate you inviting me on. Um, You can find all my links at IndieLeft.media, that's I-N-D-I-E, left.media, or you can also go to uh, IndieNews.network, and that's for the network and to find all the channels, and you can find the members there and everything. Uh, Also, the Indie Media Awards, where you can find the best of the best in independent media. We just had our second annual awards uh, kind of ceremony unveil. And we just—it's really just a list of the best independent journalists with links to all of their properties, so that you can subscribe and find and and share them as well and, and learn from them. Again, I, I appreciate you inviting me on. Uh, my my big thing is support independent media. We need it more than ever. I feel like we are just heating up, don't you? <laughs> In a way, yeah. I thought the whole thing was good, but yeah, we could we could go forever, and maybe you'll you'll come on come on one night with, with how do we miss that i don't know if you do any kind of uh thing like i do with the avatar and you go on a live stream but but well, we can work we can try to work something out I went, you on, put yeah, up- I
0: went on a live stream i put down like a little hat and sunglasses on i can do that but hey nice. i gotta go you gotta go let's catch up again cool, man. thanks my uh thanks my friend for appreciate your time have a great night sir
1: likewise have a great one
0: Bye-bye. Bye. For listening to Necessary Illusions. I also want to thank my special guest, Indy, of the Indy News Network, for a great discussion on the political economy of the news media. Shout out to Drowning Dog and Malatesta for the music. Again, I am your host, MC Squared. No gods, no masters. I'm out.